0: Hello, Squeaky Clean listeners. Welcome to the 64th episode of this Squeaky Clean Energy podcast, where we bring you the latest in North Carolina clean energy news, policy, and more every two weeks. On today's episode, we're back out on the road, live, or I guess, semi-live, at another clean energy event. This time, we're leaving the state of North Carolina and talking to some of our friends from across the Southeast. But before the plane takes off, we've got a few updates to share. First up, PBR. No, not the choice beverage of hipsters, but instead, PBR, as in performance-based regulations. Last week, the North Carolina Utilities Commission issued an order per the requirements set out in House Bill 951 last year on the topic of performance-based regulations. For those not familiar, performance-based regulations are an approach to utility regulation that incentivizes utility performance through mechanisms such as multi-year rate making and performance incentive mechanisms more closely aligning utility and customer interests. The idea being that we move to a model incentivizing the utility for energy efficiency programs and reducing customer rates versus large capital expenditures like centralized power plants. NCSEA put together a comprehensive blog post outlining all of the issues covered in the recent order from the North Carolina Utilities Commission. But in short, we were fairly disappointed that the order did not include stronger ratepayer protections, along with additional opportunities for low- and moderate-income consumers. We'll include a link to NCSEA's blog post in the show notes. The other big piece of news in the past week or so was Duke Energy's announcement that they plan to step away from coal by 2035 as part of their plans to reach net zero by 2050, Included in that announcement was expanding its net zero goals to include all scope 2 and scope 3 emissions as well. And for those unfamiliar, scope 2 and 3 emissions are indirect sources that stem from things like purchased electricity, transportation, or other leased assets, aka anything that's not directly being produced by the company itself through things like electricity generation. We'll share the link to the announcement in the show notes. But it's also important to note that the utility itself has been fairly committed to the build-out of natural gas, which, in and of itself, is not a zero-carbon source. As we saw in the latest integrated resource filings, the utilities plan to further build out their natural gas fleet as economics move further away from coal and as HB 951 included provisions for securitization to enable the utilities to retire those plants earlier. With that being said, the news from the utility to retire coal and include scope 2 and 3 emissions is welcomed for sure, but it'll be important to see pragmatically how that's implemented over the coming couple of years. And last update, we thought we'd share some exciting events for those listening in. NCSEA is planning to reconvene in-person events this year in 2022. We're excited to get out there, see our friends again, and collaboratively build a clean energy future together. So first event on the radar this year is NCSEA's Making Energy Network Policy Forum, taking place on March 24th here in Raleigh. Over the course of the next few months, the NCSEA team will be convening these events across the state to tackle all of the latest pressing clean energy topics on the radar this year, including EVs, net metering, HB951 implementation, amongst a number of other things as well. All of this will be leading up to NCSEA's big Making Energy Work conference, scheduled for later this year in the fall. So, with that being said, if you're in the Triangle area, we'd love to see you out at this event on March 24th, where we'll be focused on electric vehicles. More information and registration is available via NCSEA's website. Alright, NCSEA is also hosting another event a little bit further down the road, in May, over in the Asheville area, called Clean Energy in the Mountains. On May 19th, we'll be at Highland Brewing Company talking about HB951 implementation, featuring a panel of speakers, Followed by roundtable conversations leading into, of course, networking with a few beers. Registration is now live on NCSEA's website. And on today's episode, as we've done in a few episodes previously, NCSEA takes the show on the road to tune in and hear from our partners across the region and country at various trade shows and conferences. This episode is no exception. In this case, We're taking the show to the Association of Energy Service Professionals annual conference in Nashville, Tennessee. In early February, the conference hosted about 500 professionals, predominantly in the energy efficiency space, to talk about some of the latest trends occurring in the industry. The crowd was made up of energy efficiency program managers, implementers, marketers, evaluators, policymakers, regulators, and the utilities themselves. On today's episode, you'll hear from a cross cutting mix of individuals, including nonprofits, consultants, and utilities. Each of our guests will highlight some of the trends they're tracking, along with the contributions their organizations are making to the world of energy efficiency, and even beyond that, into EVs, demand response, solar, storage, and more. So, without further ado, let's make this episode a reality. Clean energy. Queen, 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 Queen. energy. First up on the podcast today is the president and CEO of the Association of Energy Services Professionals, otherwise known as AESP. In her role, she focuses on educating and empowering AESP's members on topics such as energy efficiency technologies, conservation strategies, demand response program design and implementation, demand flexibility strategies grid edge technology deployment, beneficial electrification, and demand-side focused customer engagement strategies. Previously, our guest served as the Vice President of Research and Education at the Smart Electric Power Alliance, where she led her team in the development of cutting-edge industry research and thought leadership, as well as in the creation of educational offerings for SEPA's membership base. And before that, she spent nearly nine years as Manager of Renewables for the Orlando Utilities Commission. Friends of the pod, please welcome Jen Zaro, president and CEO of AESP. Jen, really excited to be here and have you on the podcast today.
1: Well, I'm excited that you're here with us.
0: For those that aren't familiar with AESP and your annual conference, can you give us just a quick high-level overview of who you all are and and what you do in this space?
1: So I would say we are a community of clean energy professionals. Uh, We are the energy geeks of the world. And uh, the conference is really about bringing us all together to collaborate, to share best practices, share key issues that we're all wrestling with, and allow us to bring our heads together to come up with solutions or to share what's worked, or in some cases, what hasn't worked. So it's that plus professional development and education, but it's really also just about an opportunity for us to get in front of the industry and share what we believe are important themes and key issues that need to be addressed by the industry as a whole and allow us to demonstrate some thought leadership in that area.
0: We're we're now on day three of the conference, um, and we've had a lot of really compelling panels and speakers and and keynote speakers here joining us. I'm curious from your perspective, what, what stands out in terms of the content or key themes that we're seeing over the course of this week?
1: So I think in our industry in general, we are seeing an evolution happen. It's not just grid modernization. It's not just um, a bigger focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's, I think, just a broader sense of the need to collaborate across technologies and across different parts of organizations. And so that's what I'm seeing a lot more of now in in these sessions, in the agenda for this year, is we have to deal with these cross-cutting issues in a way that allows us to be more successful. So the more that we come together with energy efficiency, demand response, distributed energy resources like transportation, electrification, and beneficial electrification, and start pairing some of these technologies and solutions together the more successful we're going to be and the better off the customer is going to be which is really the end goal um, some of the other big themes that we're seeing this year there's a very heavy focus on diversity equity and inclusion and that's very intentional uh, this industry is long overdue for an overhaul in that area it's a very predominantly white, male-oriented industry. It has been for a very long time, and I've been in the industry for nearly 25 years. So um, I've seen great improvement, but I think we are learning so much right now um, that we didn't know before, and we're learning how to listen to each other and think differently. And so a lot of the content this year has really focused on those issues as well as one that's really important to us as an organization and that's energy justice and energy equity.
0: I was talking to some of my colleagues uh, earlier and, and walking around the conference. I you know, I've gone to a lot of different energy conferences and I've it, you're right, it's it's there's not as much diversity as we would like to see in the space, but I I have to give your team and your organization props for elevating the topics of energy equity and diversity and inclusion Um, and walking around at the conference here. I mean, it's, it's a much more diverse set of organizations and individuals than I've seen at most energy conferences that I've gone to. And I think uh, that deserves a lot of, um, you know, props for, for kind of building that community. And You know, we you had just talked a little bit about earlier, you know, breaking down some of the silos within the the energy space, and AESP just went through a rebranding process as well, Uh, and we were talking a little bit offline before uh, this conversation about what that really means to your organization and how you're looking at all of these different sectors within the energy space and how they integrate into one another. Energy efficiency being the base of the pyramid, and then building up from there with Things like electric transportation, demand response, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I'm really curious to kind of hear about AESP's position and, and take on where you're moving with the industry over the next, you know, couple of years, and where you foresee opportunities for your organization.
1: Yes, and you're right. It is a very intentional growth strategy for us. I think. For a very long time, if you look at the way the policies are structured from a regulatory standpoint, there was always a bucket of funding for energy efficiency, a bucket of funding for solar, uh, utility scale versus customer focused. And what I found oftentimes is that different departments weren't communicating very effectively with each other, and they certainly weren't sharing ideas or funding. some of the rebrand is really just drawing attention to the fact that we need to move forward as an industry and we need to really synergize with each other. I know that's kind of a, a catch-all word, but it's true. And until we really start learning how to work out of these silos together, we're not going to see the true efficiency and the maximum efficiency that we can actually reach with these different programs so our focus is going to be not to take away from efficiency it's always going to include efficiency as the base of that pyramid but to grow what can we add on top of efficiency to make these programs more meaningful but also to give us more of a more resilient grid um, which is something that is so important and becoming sadly due to climate change more and more important and so How do we help our customers manage their specific problems, all of our customers? So those that live in areas that don't have maybe the same um, air quality that we would like for them, and the same opportunities to make investments in clean energy technologies, we need to be thinking across for solutions for every type of customer. And so really, that's what I want ASP to be about in the future, is We're not just going to stay in our silo. We need to be working with experts across other organizations and across other industries to see how we can be one piece of a bigger puzzle and to help bring those technologies together in a way, whether it's from a program design standpoint or a strategic planning standpoint or an implementation standpoint, to make the lives of the customers who are integrating these technologies easier. So everywhere in the value chain, from setting carbon reduction goals, you used to see energy efficiency goals and now, you know, we're moving away from just looking at kilowatt hours or KW saved, right? We're looking now a lot of utilities are looking more broadly at, at CO two reductions. So how do we be part of that solution and not take away but be additive, right? Across all aspects of the value chain from the whole planning process all the way through to delivering programs to customers and measuring the impacts now, which can sometimes be multiplied by adding efficiency with demand flexibility with DERs. So that's really the goal of where we're headed. And that's what the rebrand is all about is this is the future of AASP?
0: And I think is a, you know, really emphasizes the importance of having an event like this to bring together the utilities, to bring together program implementers, to bring together a whole host of different organizations and individuals to get in the same room together and talk about these solutions in a sort of comprehensive mindset to break down some of those barriers and talking talking about, you know, all the different factors that are weighing into things like measurement and verification. And ensuring that the programs that we're implementing are successful and meeting some of those goals that we're establishing and that we're incorporating technologies across the board as we you know strive to reach those decarbonization and carbon reduction goals so jen thank you so much for being uh, so kind with your time this afternoon in the midst of organizing and putting on such a successful event uh, i know you've got a lot on your plate so uh, thanks again for joining us here on the podcast and uh, really excited to to work with aesp uh, in the future. Thanks, Jen.
1: Thanks for having me. Hey! Energy.
0: Queen, Queen, Queen. Queen. Energy. Hey! All right. I am so excited to introduce you to our next guest here on the podcast, who may be one of the busiest people at this year's conference, where it seems she's on just about every panel here because of the importance of her work to the industry. Our guest is a facilitator and strategic consultant with 15 years of professional experience working with utilities, nonprofits, and public organizations. She is the CEO of OnColor, a firm committed to supporting diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. Our guest is a certified diversity professional, a qualified administrator of the Intercultural Development Inventory, and a Lean Six Sigma Green Belt. Our guest holds an MBA from California State University Dominguez Hills, and a BA from Loyola Marymount University. Lastly, our guest is a member of the Board of Directors of the Association of Energy Service Professionals and a member of the DEI Council. Friends of the Pod, please welcome Quinn Parker to the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast. Quinn, welcome to the pod.
2: Yeah, thank you, Matt. Glad to be here.
0: So just at a high level for our listeners, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and the work that you're doing within energy efficiency and energy in general?
2: Absolutely. So I've had the opportunity to work in several different capacities in energy, started my career working at a local utility, had the opportunity to implement programs, evaluate programs, and even spent a few years working at AESP as the VP of content and research. And within the last year, I started my own firm called In Color that is dedicated to diversity, equity, and inclusion issues. Right now, specifically within the energy industry, but I'm finding these topics are industry agnostic. They really apply across the board.
0: Tell us a, a little bit more about the the types of clients that you're working with. Are you working with utilities and, you know, if so, what are the types of, you know, programs or consulting work that you're providing for those customers? Yeah,
2: so it's it's really been a very interesting journey for me within Color. I work both with utilities as well as the implementers that um, deliver programs on behalf of utilities. And the work spans across kind of three primary categories. I do strategic planning for organizations, really helping them you know, look inward and see how they can do better in regards to diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm helping to support development of equitable and inclusive products and services, so this may be looking at programs, seeing where there may be unintentional inequities being introduced, and then working directly with the utilities, really examining how they can do better in various facets of their organization.
0: So let's talk a little bit more about some of the programs and services that you've helped to roll out with utilities. If you know a utility is, is interested in, or maybe there's a directive from a utilities commission, uh... to walk down the path of implementing programs focused on diversity and equity what might some of those services or products look like
2: so you know in color is a strategic consulting firm so we do not usually implement or execute on any of diversity strategies where we play is really thinking through with utilities what does success look like so our work would be strategic planning roadmap planning research, perhaps looking more at where there's um, procedural or distributive inequities and how can we do better?
0: So talking about measuring success, I think that's a a topic in energy in general is, is difficult in and of itself, but even more so in measuring success in diversity and equity programs. So one thing that I know we were talking about a little bit before the conversation here was working with these utilities to set up success metrics and helping utilities better understand their progress towards meeting some of their goals. So can we talk through that a little bit more? I'm I'm really curious, like tangibly, what that looks like in measuring success for a utility
2: yeah great question Matt. and something that i talk about daily It's really defining equity i find that that's the very first step when i have these engagement with utilities and even implementers on behalf of utilities we don't always know what equity looks like and um, we we think we do sometimes with anecdotal information but without collecting data, really understanding who your customers are, how they're experiencing your program, what the community needs, is very difficult to know what you need to do to mitigate any inequities.
0: And are you exclusively focused on energy efficiency type programs with the utility, or are you looking more broadly as well at transportation and other aspects of energy?
2: So it's primarily energy efficiency, but energy efficiency and the definition of what that is, I think, is expanding within our industry. We're thinking more broadly about how folks engage with energy, just not how they're saving energy. Uh, I also am finding more conversations around who is delivering these energy efficiency programs, lots of dialogue around supplier diversity and how we ensure minority and women-owned businesses are being able to um, contribute. to this energy efficiency industry in general.
0: So talking about supplier diversity, um, I think is is another topic that is of interest to a lot of the listeners here. Are you working with utilities to identify uh, women and minority-owned businesses that can participate in these programs? Or what does that path look like in in consulting with the utility?
2: So yeah, there has been organizations that have reached out to Incolor to specifically go and find minority and women-owned businesses to not only find them but help develop them help them perhaps navigate through the service certification process perhaps find some different uh, business growth tools that could help them better scale to deliver on energy efficiency programs at the same time I have um, clients that are asking me to do research. Why is my, why am I struggling with my supplier diversity program? Why am I not seeing the the number and scope of diverse suppliers that I would expect to see? So it's both examining what are some of the barriers and then helping these organizations navigate the energy industry.
0: So what are some of the barriers that you're seeing with utility programs and enrolling diverse suppliers?
2: Oh, there. that is a fantastic question. I think fundamentally just the way our, our industry works is a barrier. When you have an industry that has a procurement cycle that's multi-year, it's really difficult for a small business, a diverse business, to engage in that type of process. They don't have the time or perhaps the, um, the ability to navigate a, a process that takes years before you may get any traction. It's just a, it's a complicated business to navigate
0: yeah and I, I used to work at another company that did a lot of work with utilities and you had to also be certified through like the IS networld uh, platform, which required a lot of you know financial and uh, time resources to to make that happen, um, having a full organizational health and safety plan. And I couldn't imagine having to go through all of that as a small business of maybe one or two. And so that definitely would be a, a huge barrier to participating in some of these programs. So I'm glad that you're you're starting to have these conversations and maybe opening up the eyes to to some of the folks that are administering these programs and utilities across the country. Just in general, like what are what are some of the trends that that you're you're following right now in terms of diversity and equity as it relates to utility programs and implementers? And maybe what are some of the conversations that you're seeing here at the conference this week that you'll take with you through the rest of this year?
2: Yeah, I'm just seeing this intentional, um, these very intentional conversations of how can we do better? And I've been involved in energy efficiency for over 15 years. And I, I think this is one of the first conferences that I've attended where we have thought about equity in a way that we realize we're part of the problem, that some of what's happening is because of the infrastructure that we've created, some of the policy and procedural challenges are barriers that we have put in place and it's time for us to re-examine really what the intended outcome of all of this is, and that was a conversation I had in one of the sessions we've had this week, is we are really good as an industry at setting goals. We are excellent at counting things, understanding how we perform down to, you know, the smallest decimal point, but really what are we trying to achieve? What is the ultimate outcome? If ultimately we wanna see communities that haven't historically participated in our programs, then then what is the goal there what should we be measuring for success
0: and that was something that Jen and I had talked about a little bit earlier right is as we go through this process it's, it's important to keep you know in mind that really we're doing this for the customer and doing what's best by the customer and so i think that's something that we should absolutely be carrying with us throughout These conversations and through our daily work outside of this conference. So, Quinn, I I really appreciate you taking some time this afternoon to talk with me about some of your work. And uh, we'll include some resources in today's show notes for uh, our listeners to learn a little bit more about in color. So, uh, Quinn, thank you so much for joining this episode of the podcast.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Clean energy. Green. And up next, I'd like to introduce you to two additional guests who are coming last, but are certainly not least. First up, I'd like to introduce a guest that has a wealth of a career in the energy efficiency space. He's a fifth generation Georgia Power employee and an Atlanta native. He began his career with energy audits and has continued to be involved with Georgia Power's energy efficiency efforts for over 25 years. Our guest now is the energy efficiency strategy and regulatory manager with Georgia Power, Friends of the Pod, please welcome Jeff Smith to the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast. Great. Look forward to talking with you. And let's also welcome another guest who just recently joined the Southeast Energy Efficiency Alliance as their president last year in April. She has been an innovative leader within the nonprofit space for more than 25 years. She's served as a management consultant specializing in strategic planning, fundraising, policy development program design, and evaluation. She's also served as director of programs at the Midwest Energy Efficiency Alliance, where she first collaborated with national and regional partners like SIA. Friends of the pod, please welcome Amy Chircout, president of the Southeast Energy Efficiency Alliance to the pod. Amy, welcome to the pod.
3: Thanks, Matt. Happy to be here.
0: To quickly uh, just start things off, Um, Jeff, can you tell us a little bit more about your role at Georgia Power and the types of programs and services you're overseeing there at the utility?
4: Sure. Um, My group handles energy efficiency and demand response programs, so energy efficiency for Georgia Power. Uh, Our team is responsible for designing our energy efficiency programs, um, doing any evaluations that are required, and implementing them to our customers primarily uh, in the residential and commercial space with those programs. Uh, they range anywhere from rebating light bulbs and thermostats to going into customers' homes and businesses and doing uh, deep retrofits, reducing energy consumption by 25% or more.
0: So, so you have quite a bit of, of you know, programs that, that you're overseeing and looking at. I, I am curious, are there any sort of new or innovative programs that you all have recently rolled out or are on your radar that you're considering right now?
4: There are. We actually just filed um, our Integrated Resource Plan for our programs for 2023 through 25, And there's all kinds of stuff that we're focusing on there, um, automation, uh, income qualified communities and programs. Uh, we, we also have a program for income qualified customers that has a crowdfunding aspect to it. And so that's um, re- relatively rare in the, in the market. And so we, um, we are always looking for new and innovative ways to
0: help our customers save energy. I honestly have never heard of a crowdfunding campaign as part of one of these programs. Um, so is that already live and customers can go and participate in the program right now?
4: It is live um, due to COVID not being able to get into customers' homes. We didn't run it for an extended period of time, uh, but it's, it's working and we intend to carry that forward into the next IRP and have a regular um, outreach around that.
0: So we're also joined here in this interview by Amy as well with Sia and Folks might be wondering what the, you know, the correlation is between both of you. And it's important to note that Jeff uh, with Georgia Power serves on SIA's board. And so I know you all work quite a bit together. Uh, So there's a lot of overlap between your work and the types of programs and services that you're looking at. So even before we we talk about that, Amy, can you tell us a little bit more about SIA uh, and your role with the organization? And I know you're fairly new, so maybe a little bit of background on yourself would be helpful, too, for listeners.
3: Sure, I'd be happy to. So, um, I am the new president at SIA now, nine months in, and we at SIA partner across broad stakeholder groups, including utilities, IOUs, munis, co-ops, generation and transmission utilities, also um, partnering with state energy offices and you know academics, implementers our membership runs the whole gamut, manufacturers, corporate partners, and we are all focused on really effectuating positive impacts in energy throughout our footprint. So SIA really looks at making sure that all Southeasterners live, work, and play in healthy, resilient buildings really ensuring that everyone has access to transportation that is as accessible as it is affordable and green. And then of course, um, we really believe and we know that through these focus areas and also thinking about emerging technologies that we can have impact that is wide and deep um, economically to really foster and support economic viability and sustainability throughout the whole southeast.
0: So being relatively new in your role with SIA, where, you know, moving forward through the rest of this year and the up- upcoming couple of years, where are you focusing, you know, SIA's attention in terms of the types of programs that, that you're focused on um, and, and your staff and the partnerships that you have with utilities like Georgia Power?
3: We really are, so we are one of six regional energy efficiency organizations. We focus on 11 southeastern states. And so our goals and objectives are to enlist, partner, and support folks throughout our service territory, our whole footprint. um, Really taking a systems level approach to meet folks where they are, help them solve for the problems that they're working through really ideate, deploy, pilot around solutions and bring together all those key stakeholders because at the end of the day, we know everyone I think has the same goal. We just have different stories about why and how we think we're gonna get there. And so SIA has really been a powerful facilitator, um, consultative partner, tech assistant supporter of different initiatives and also ideating and providing resources and support and financial assistance as well to really solve and ideate around issues throughout the Southeast. So that's something that we continue to do in partnership with Georgia Power, with the utilities and with you know diverse stakeholder networks. So what we're really thinking about for the future and something that makes us unique is that we also have always really evaluated that which we do through the lens of diversity, integration, and inclusion. Mm -hmm. We know that if we are gonna have a clean energy future, that we have the greatest impact to really achieve those goals in the Southeast, and we have an opportunity to lift folks out of poverty, because I firmly believe that energy insecurity traps people in vicious cycles of poverty. So we really do focus on um, the intersectionality of things like energy, um, increasing energy security, you know, decreasing energy burdens, and the health and other impacts that are associated. We believe all these things operate in tandem. They're not mutually exclusive.
0: So you brought up a good point right there, talking about uh, equity, diversity, and inclusion. And, you know, Jeff, we were talking a little bit before that this is also a lens that you all take at Georgia Power and, and part of your role. So can you talk a little bit more about maybe some of the conversations that you're having at Georgia Power specific to diversity and equity and inclusion?
4: Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it's, it's critically important to our company um, and, and we think of it as a is a company lens but also in, under the lens of the customers we serve. Um, Georgia is a incredibly diverse state. Um, there's a lot of rural, there's a lot of metropolitan, Um, you know, just just so diverse and and spread out. So when we think about DEI and we think about programs, we have to think beyond any one certain type of customer that we want to serve. And so that's a heavy lens that we put on, uh, and it's an increasingly important lens to where we make sure, to Amy's point, that we're serving all customers Mm -hmm. and we're doing what we can to
0: enrich their
4: lives and um, reduce their energy burden where we can.
0: And that's been a, a a really big focus here at the conference this week, where that lens has has been very prevalent through multiple sessions and just as a, a overarching theme at the conference in general. We actually just got done uh, having a conversation with Quinn Parker, who works at InColor and does a lot of work in this space and works with utilities and consulting on different equity and diversity programs. So what are some of the other themes that you all picked up on being here at the conference this week? And I'll start with Jeff and then go to Amy as well. Um, one of the things that I have picked up on is the emerging
4: technology mm-hmm. of, of, of our industry and looking for those next steps. And where's the next uh, kilowatt hour saved going to mm-hmm. come from. So lots of conversation around that and around removing barriers to um, implementing emerging technologies. Uh, other themes that have picked up on that have been uh, very beneficial to me is customer segmentation. Um, you know, for years, program delivery, whether it be energy efficiency or whatever, was just broad blanket, right? You put a billboard out, you put a radio spot, you sent something in the mail. and And what we're learning um, through events like this and networking through these types of um, sessions is, there are much more specific ways to reach customers the way they want to be reached and make sure that you're giving them what they want and that's been a very big part of of what i've picked up on here as well
3: yeah i, I think the same thing i'm really kind of thinking about uh... what we believe at CN, and i've seen it reflected throughout all the sessions here is that the path forward to achieving our goals is a diverse path with a diverse set of tools the toolbox includes all these different strategies so there's the emerging technology it includes energy efficiency and also efficient energy um, what are those decarbonization strategies what does that look like um, beneficial electrification what is, how does that factor in green hydrogen you know how do all of these things come together and understanding that to be successful the approach will change, it will be variable, depending on where you are in the country and what you're attempting to solve. And I think the theme that came back, front and center time and again, was, you know, before you can solve a problem, you need to understand what your goals are, right? And so, both on kind of the emerging tech front, but also on the diversity, equity, and inclusion front. So as we think about um, federal Justice 40 mandates and goals, we really have to think about what are our goals, what's our bottom line, what do we want to achieve, how do we bring every long, everyone along with us? And it was really interesting, I think eye-opening, when folks were talking about in different sessions, you know, we say we want diverse supply chains and we want to support small businesses. How do we as an industry figure out how to do things differently because small businesses cannot participate with all the onerous requirements that it takes to be able to partner and support all of these technologies. So I think it's all been very fascinating.
4: That's a really good point about these, you know, energy efficiency programs or demand response programs. Mm-hmm. Is there's a jobs aspect of it? Correct. Uh, and being able to um, potentially use those as ways to train a workforce and help communities financially beyond just you know the energy that they save. If you can create an employment. Um, process through that and, and hire locally through your programs. There's that benefit too in that uh, equity chain.
0: Yeah, and you know, talking about uh, being able to participate as a small business, we Quinn and I actually were just talking about that. That's one of the the leading conversations that she's having with different utilities and different uh, customers out there. Is is how we can open that door to access for for small businesses, for women and minority owned businesses to participate in these programs and create additional jobs like we were talking about. I mean, energy efficiency in this realm, our, for example, our organization, NCSEA, runs a annual clean jobs report in North Carolina. The last report we put out last week showed there's about 100,000 jobs in clean energy in North Carolina, with 70 to 80% of that being attributed directly to the energy efficiency world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is a lot of job creation associated with this industry, and so how do we open up that door to make sure it's more equitable and diverse for all types of businesses so one of the things uh, Amy that you had mentioned before is a strong point for uh, for SIA mm-hmm. is being a facilitator and so here at this conference it's great we've you know we've got 500 or so people here from utilities from implementers from uh, nonprofit organizations all different groups across the board to really break down some of those silos and start talking about how we can look at this from a, a very overarching sort of uh, connected perspective mm-hmm. One other thing, so you were mentioning uh, a strong point of SIA as being a facilitator. You also have a big conference coming up a little bit later this year, uh, SIA's annual conference in which I've had a chance to go to in the past. I know you all are excited about having it again in person coming up. So let's talk a little bit more about the role of SIA in facilitating uh, all of these different organizations and that conference coming up later this year.
3: Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'm I'm really excited about that. We are finally, we are planning our reemergence. So reemergence strategy is fully underway and full speed ahead. And so we are going to be meeting in Atlanta, October 3rd through the 5th. And the idea is, um, you know, my goals as president are education, training, resources, networking. We need to be together. We have amazing synergy. And there are so many amazing programs, ideas, that come out of the time that we spend together as an industry all coming together. No matter where we come from, we all come at it from a different angle. The ideation, the strategy that happens at these meetings, exceptional. The networking opportunities. So um, we invite folks to come join us at SIA because we can connect all the partners working in the space and then thinking more broadly about those intersectional Areas and issues. Right now, we are doing um, utility roundtables, and actually, Georgia Power Southern a Company, where the the first company to approach us about this, and we sat down. And we brought together diverse stakeholders from public housing and other sectors to talk about what are these issues, how do we need to tackle them, making sure that we are really partnering with folks on the ground and ideating with them about solutions that will make a difference in their life. So the the themes that we're thinking about, um, and you're hearing about this across the whole industry, but the themes that we're thinking about is the same thing, kind of electrification, decarbonization strategies, all those same things, and then also the nexus of energy, equity, health, and environmental justice. So those are gonna be prevalent themes throughout the event. We also hope to do some really primer, perhaps some pre session events that are primers to be able to educate train folks up because we know that green jobs are lucrative jobs and there are entry points for everyone throughout the industry and i'm really glad you brought up workforce development it's a personal passion of mine something that i've worked on so how do we expand the pipeline how do we get folks in the room how do we get them excited about this burgeoning industry because we know we need them and we all have to work together if we're going to be able to power with a green workforce that's diverse to power ahead and, and achieve our, our goals.
0: Well, thanks, Amy. We're really looking forward to meeting in person down in Atlanta coming up later this year. Uh, but I, I really appreciate both of you taking the time this afternoon to join us on the Squeaky Clean Energy podcast. I enjoyed the conversation. Same here. Thanks. thanks so much. My key takeaway from today's episode is the importance of breaking down silos and integrating all aspects of the energy field to build out solutions designed to improve customer experience and enhance their livelihoods. At the end of the day, we're striving to enable customers to think less about their energy, have more money in their pocket, and consume power that's cleaner for everyone. The more that we keep the focus on customers, the more we can better create connections between all aspects of the utility business from basic energy efficiency programs that replace incandescent light bulbs To more advanced smart demand response programs and solar plus storage or EVs to innovate ideas like crowdsourcing, like Jeff had mentioned earlier. And you know the deal, let's stay in touch on Twitter. Give me a shout at Matt Abel for future episode ideas, questions for our next episode, thoughts on today's episode, and your worst energy joke one-liners. And episode 64 of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast is in the books. But before you leave, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share the pod on whatever platform you're listening in from. Sharing this podcast with your network and growing the Friends of the Pod helps us get just a little bit closer to our shared vision of a clean energy economy from North Carolina. All right, that's it. See y'all later.